Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our hit podcast within a podcast between two roles. I am your host, Ryan Mossbarger, and today I have a very special guest, Matt Canavan. Say hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. <laughs> Pat did a similar joke. Um, so, Matt, if you are unfamiliar, and it's entirely possible that you are unfamiliar with this podcast and its format, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, uh, seemingly uh, fine and dandy, but uh, they are going to slowly worm their way into your brain cage, and I'm going to get all of your most important secrets out of you. Are you prepared for that? Uh... Well, I am now. <laughs> Are you prepared for a, a a listenership in the tens of people to know your deepest darkest darkest secrets? Tens, really? Is it that much? Maybe hunt. We might be creeping <laughs> up to the hundreds. Who knows? I there was a part of me that like compulsively checked our um our like listening numbers and stuff like that. Okay, and I've since stopped because I found it to be extremely unhealthy. <laughs> you know what? I remember. I kind of had a little bit of a similar sentiment when I started with the with the what is it the the common geeking program and I was like who's who's oh, yeah. really listening? But at the end of the day it was a lot of fun and it was an excuse to do something with my dear friends. And Oh no, that's exactly why. You know. And here we are. And here we are. So I, I've asked this question. It's the first question I've asked everybody else so far. So this is my first question to you. How do you know the other members of the podcast? And that podcast being Dice Populi, the very important and uh, groundbreaking Dungeons and Dragons podcast where we switch out Dungeon Masters every campaign. Yeah, what, like every six months or so? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> well, for Chowder, yes, six months. For yes. me, I think it was two and a half months. <laughs> uh, I mean, Three months on maybe, average. Max. So I, uh, I went to high school with Pat and Colin. Pat and Colin knew each other uh, they, in middle school. They kind of grew up in parallel, whatever. Um, and then I kind of joined the mix. And Pat and I, we were both in band. We had a very similar friend group. We were into the arts. You know, we had a lot of the same classes. I didn't meet Colin until like tenth grade. I was he was always like the guy you were like oh yep that's that's colin <laughs> you know that that is that's exactly how i would describe colin <laughs> and the thing is like i know that he would describe himself the exact same way so i i have no i'm not holding back anything here but you know we eventually we all we had like some classes together and we all just kind of you know went through the system uh Obviously, I know you through uh, Pat, because I think you guys went to college together. We did. We went to college together. And, We're both engineers. Yes. And Chowder is a year below uh, myself, Pat, and Colin. And Chowder was, uh, he was, so I was uh, like, you know, we just had like very similar uh, friend groups and we just kind of ended up uh, hanging out a bunch and yeah that's it's a good time we're all uh we all made it through the schenectady high school city or schenectady city school district that's a fucking tongue twister is is it a hard district to get through is it like rigorous um maybe in terms of scholastic or is it like a prison setup where you got to beat your way out of it you get what you put into it that's i think that's the best way i can say it um 
there are opportunities there that, you know, I, I think that we all took advantage of and, you know, it's, it's really up to the person, like what, what they put into it. Gotcha. Yeah. You hear that Schenectady, Schenectady school system losers. You didn't try hard enough. That's why. (laughs) Um, I, I think that's like one of the most <laughs> political answers I've ever given. <laughs> oh, so you're you're being very precise with your language. I'm sure. Uh, hey yeah, I know. Tens of people will Listen. judge me. <laughs> this could ruin my presidential campaign in like what, 10, 15 years? Fifteen years. I mean, I honestly, not to get too political, but I don't think you really have. To, I don't think anybody has to worry about ruining the political campaigns anymore. I think it's all just fine. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Um, not really, but it, yeah, challenge time to go, time challenge to go to the bottom accepted. of the barrel. <laughs> um, did you were you always kind of interested into the podcasting kind of sphere, or was that something that maybe you got talked into by Colin or Pat? Um, so how did you get a, into it? A hundred percent, getting talked into it, and I'm going to share the first of many deep dark secrets. Uh, podcasts like i really don't listen to that many of them maybe i'll tune into like one or two but there are no podcasts where i would consider myself a regular avid listener excuse me while and, i make a note and add for a dramatic you know, like bass drop in this moment really I, like you don't have any podcast that you listen to on a regular basis i i don't know what it is like I know there is one people, correct answer and it's our podcast <laughs> so I will circle back to that, but I I think the thing for me is like, I, if I need to like sit down and just like put something on in the background, you know, some people put on a podcast for me, like I need to commit fully to it. And just like, that's like the only thing I'm listening to, like I'm reading a book or, Mm. you know, I'm just going to throw some music on, you know, and I can just kind of, that would be background noise. Now in regards to our podcast, I listen to that at least uh, three or four times. times when I'm editing it. So <laughs> that is true. I think you, you can it. cut me some slack there. Yeah, you get it in the worst way. I'm kind of, I'm definitely into some podcasts, and there are some that I listen to on a, like a regular rotation. It's mm-hmm. a lot less than it used to be. When I used to go into the office, I would always have a podcast going on in my ear. Like, it, yep. for eight hours a day, I'd be listening to a podcast. I'd constantly be looking for podcasts to listen to. Yeah, and it's and less than. It, oh, you go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no. And it's less than just because I'm working from home now. And if I do need to like diffuse my focus, I have a million more outlets. I don't know how I've gotten started to doing it, but like to focus on my work, I do need to listen to podcasts though. Um, mm-hmm. I My job requires reading hundreds of pages of like very technical material. <laughs> and I don't know how I've gotten to the point of being able to do it, but I can listen to a podcast and read uh, like a page every like 20 seconds and still somehow process both streams separately. <laughs> okay, that's fair. And, you know, that's not to say that there aren't like, you know, there's some fantastic podcasts out there, um, especially with the people who we've collabed with. Uh, it's just not my cup of tea. Um, so and that wasn't something that I didn't really realize until I started working on the the common geeking program when colin and our friends jeff austin chowder keenan the that whole squad when uh we Mm -hmm. started doing that um 
And I also was doing some editing for that as well, which was my first foray into the the editing of podcast world. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, so yeah. are you do you still currently do anything with Common Geeking Program or are you still is that kind of on the sidelines right now? Um I have not been on an episode in a very long time, at least like Same two, season. three years. Um I definitely kinda still uh peek my head into the Discord to see what they're doing, if there's anything fun they're doing. But uh, I think for the most part, I've pretty much stepped back. I might still be donating to them on their on the Patreon. I know I am. That is, the, <laughs> I get the little thing on my so, email uh, like every month. Yep. So I'm I'm technically I guess it all goes to the same wallet. So I am I'm I'm supporting the current podcast or on right right for Common Geeking Program. I don't remember if we've ever done an episode together on Common Geeking Program. We uh, never I'm trying did. to think. I can I can guarantee you off the top of my head we did not. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I don't think we ever did. So on Common Geeking program, we all had like our little nerfdoms, nerfdoms, nerd, <laughs> nerfdoms, <laughs> nerfdoms. I was just uh, nerd surfdoms, um, where we were kind of like the expert in that domain. And, you know, I think mine was like a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons and a little bit of like sci-fi stuff. Do you remember what your like domain was like? your main contributing thing that you would always bring to the table i always tried to make a point of shaking it up a little bit um i think i remember it might have been an episode where i was hosting it and the the topic that i gave people to talk about and to try to relate to was uh just like uh talking about uh forms of uh appreciation of like a you know of like a you know, of a fandom or something and like the different ways that it shows. And in particular, I chose the Potter puppet pals. Remember those, uh, those old videos with like the, the puppets. Did you, do you ever see those? The mysterious ticking noise. Yeah. Yeah. So I use that just like as a, uh, as like a, a way to foray into, you know, that was back when Harry Potter was still like, kind of okay <laughs> before all that shit went down yeah um, i think there was an episode where i ended up talking about uh portal and portal 2 we we're talking about like ai and stuff like that um and then maybe i talked about death note at some point yeah, so it's very broad, kind of. Yeah, just yeah. like a little, 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 little pieces everywhere. Speaking of which, I do think it it would suck to be like that the type of person that is. Yes, I am a Harry Potter expert, and then to like see where things have gone recently and be like, oh, mm-hmm. there's a huge subset of people that just can't stand Harry Potter anymore for very like good reasons. And I, I, I should just let this knowledge wither on the vine. Yeah, no, I, I will appreciate like the memories and stuff and like the fun times I had reading it and thinking like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a goddamn wizard. Like how like that, that was fun. That was fun back when I was younger. But, you know, I, you know, appreciate it for what it was, I guess, before uh you know you know i i i think you know this might be sp- a little spicy i i'm okay with appreciating s- most art like uh, you know if it means like you acknowledge yes the artist is a piece of shit yeah i think, I, I think that's fair it's, i think it's 
it, it's a really, it's, it's really hard to, it, it just feels like such kind of a blurred line at times. Like, and no, yeah, it's, like, it's fuzzy. I don't know. Were you like a nerdy late bloomer? Did you like, have you always been a nerd? Has, have you had phases in your quote unquote nerddom? I would call myself a self-sheltered nerd growing up where I definitely, I had a lot of fun, like, uh, reading the old Spider-Man comic books. Uh, so I, like we got them for my dad's birthday one year and then I ended up taking them from him, just reading through all of them. Um, I remember just like a, a lot of, uh, I guess the whole, I guess nerddom is the best way to describe it, but it was never something that was really open and public about. Mm-hmm. Even through college, you know, there really wasn't a lot of opportunities to really express that, like how much fun I had just kind of deep diving into whatever fandom it was. Um, and I, I guess I would say it really wasn't until the uh, working on the podcasts, uh, which I guess was 2016, 2017 was when that started. Um, so I would, yeah, definitely a, a very, very late bloomer, um, regarding all that stuff. Okay. So yeah, just kind of, you've come into your power a little later in life. Um, you're saying you like to dive into nerddoms. Like what are some of the more recent nerddoms that you really like took a dive into and explored? (laughs) So, uh, I have definitely deep dove into. It's called hentai and it's art. (laughs) No comment. But uh, definitely started to dive into Magic the Gathering a little bit. Okay, that's Um, a slippery slope right there. That's an expensive slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. My my uh, my friend managed to convince like two or three of us now to uh, start playing Commander, Uh, and it's it's it started. Yeah, but Commander is the Adderall of Magic the Gathering. Soon you're going to (laughs) be ripping straight lines of like old of hundred dollar cards as you're playing in tournaments. Yeah, it's funny that you know you say, "Oh, it's just a hobby." Oh, it's just a hobby. And then next thing you know, you look down, fuck, how do I have $2,000 worth of cards? <laughs> <laughs> not that I am not there yet, but. Yet. <laughs> yet is the operative word. I mean, so I got into book collecting. So I collect like tabletop Ooh. RPG books. Uh, so I have I have stuff from like the very beginning of Dungeons and Dragons. I have some collector's sets of things. And. I'm there right there with you. If I went through and like calculated and tabulated all of the the quote unquote great deals I've gotten, I'm sure it's in the thousands of dollars. I know for a fact it's in the thousands of dollars. Yeah. I think uh, one of the other, I guess not really a nerd dumb, I guess could be, but I also, uh, I really enjoy playing with the different tools that other people make for D&D. So like something hmm. like Foundry um i had i had a lot of fun you know just building up my own server and just starting to go to town playing with all the mods and stuff kind of felt like uh almost like skyrim with like the amount of like modules and stuff that there there were to play with and don't get me started on skyrim i i put too much time into that Um, yeah foundry's intimidating so i i bought a license 
within the last six months, maybe it was six months ago exactly at this point. And I started to work on that stuff and then I just got lost in all of the mods and little add-ons you can do. And then I just never like got it ready for game time. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we uh, uh we all uh we we just have the the server that I use and then we use that for our live game, which is uh which is a lot of fun. Oh nice. I think my biggest hurdle right now with like actually going full foundry is that I've invested a decent chunk of money in roll 20 and mm. roll 20 doesn't have a lot of connectivity to foundry. If I'd invested in D and D beyond though, there's a lot of really good tools to basically use those there, things simultaneously. There are ways. Yeah, there's ways. That's, that's, that's all I'll, I'll say without getting in legal trouble. Yeah. Where there's so, a will, there's a way. There's a will, there's a way. I think there is some way to do some Roll20 stuff, but it's just like, it's a little complicated. But no, Foundry is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm still hoping that I can get the wherewithal and the time to actually like set up the server and start using Because it. It, I really like the way that you can do spell effects. Like you can actually show spell effects and you have yep. like, you can do cones. in it. Because that's like one thing I was trying to figure out um, just last night with my Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, one of the players was like, so how do I figure out like a 60 foot cone? And I was like, oh, there's, there's definitely a tool for that in Roll20. There's not, there's they, no tool for that. Nope. <laughs> Which we I did. think is wild. My first exposure to Roll20, we ended up playing, it was um, it was a Greek-themed campaign, uh, Odyssey of the Dragon Lords. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the writers from Fallout that ended up making this, or it was like from, from somewhere. Um, but you're in this, uh, you know, ancient Greece-themed world with a whole pantheon of gods, and you... Uh, you know, they've incorporated the the gods into, you know, customized backgrounds. Um, and you're basically, you know, racing against a clock to defeat the Titans, all that stuff. A lot of fun. Um, but we did that solely through Roll20. And it was, it, it had its painful moments. Yeah, Roll20 could be a real pain in the ass. Uh, yeah. I, I probably shouldn't say that. Um, because yeah. there is, I do have hopes because I actually work I on a pod. So one of the things I moonlight on is a four quarters podcast and it's actually sponsored by roll 20. <laughs> so oh, probably shouldn't so we're going to, we're going to cut a lot of this. I might have to cut a little bit of it. Uh, That's not fine. that they, not that they listen. Um, so you said you, you kind of delve into all sorts of tools for tabletop RPG stuff. So is it just like tabletop? software or do you dive into books and things like that or a lot of it is looking at um like the different mechanics or the different tables and systems that people use to uh solve the problems of the fifth edition so Mm. i remember uh i i can't i I can't remember the guy's exact name feel like kind of hitting myself in the head but he basically brought back the the paragon actions um into 5e uh where and basically allowed you to create you know these more focused uh creature blocks uh Mm. you know totally automated basically gave like creatures different roles it was a lot more tactical it was very very cool i remember i played a lot with um that's pretty cool yeah um yeah it's always kind of funny just seeing how far people go to solve problems i think oh yeah um, you know if if people 
I don't know. It, it's just very interesting to me. So have you pray have you played like previous editions of Dungeons and Dragons, like three point five or four or anything like that? I have not, no. Okay. Cause I was gonna say I there's a lot of people I know that are really dig on like three point five slash Pathfinder and they like the crunch of it, but it's really hard for them to get a game going, especially now that like Pathfinder's gone into its second edition. Right. And they and there's just some of that that they're missing from 5e. And one of the threads I found, and this ended up, I ended up backing this Kickstarter, it's called Level Up 5e. So it's it like re it uses 5e as like a basis for their system, but then it goes in and changes a lot of stuff and just adds like a couple extra toggles in places. They completely redo the Ranger class. And it's very interesting. And like one of their main premises is that 5e, at least from Wizard of the Coast perspective and what it supports, it seems to be combat focused and it's let role play and it's let exploration kind of like wither on the vine of it. Um, and this one is like, ah, we are going to very much, you know, combat's still going to be what it is. It's still going to be good, but we are going to give you a lot of skills and powers and fun things that you can do to invigorate role play and exploration. We're going to make it so that like, if you want to have an exploration campaign, you're like in a ranger, you're going to be really important and you're going to get to use your skills all the time and you're going to be like integral to what's going on. Oh, very so I, cool. I'm, I'm very interested in that. I, I I have the books now and I've looked through them and it kind of does as advertised. It actually is really good. So it's interesting to see what other people bring into it. And I mean, they went as far as to have a Kickstarter and get a ton of pre-orders and like make their own subset of 5e to fix the problems of 5e. So I'm never, I'm never not surprised by the lengths that people will go to still play Dungeons and Dragons, but to tweak it to the point of it basically being an entirely different beast. <laughs> well, that's it. Well, because at, at a certain point, when does it stop being fifth edition? You know, the ship so of Theseus. Let me. Well, exactly. Right. You replace all the parts and then, you know, what are you left with? Um, yeah. I, I mean, you, so have you played any other tabletop RPGs besides? Uh, well, we we're, we play Quest and we play D&D 5e, but have you played any other tabletop RPGs besides that? So I was going to say I did do like maybe one or two uh, sessions of a Pathfinder thing that I thought oh, was fun. And I enjoyed the crunch like that. That's the kind of person I am. Like I like the like being able to play with the the mechanics of it. Um, and then I've also played a little bit of Call of Cthulhu, which was very fun. Did um, you play with Chowder? Was that the game? No, no, it was not. <sighs> Chowder but, did like a one shot or something like that. Nice. Yeah, we um, I think we did. It was like the starter or like beginner um like session or little mini campaign kind of basically like the 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 lost minds equivalent of yeah yeah um of call of cthulhu and it was it, it was a lot of fun it was very very different um i remember but that's something that i would love to do more of a deep dive into i want to do i've been trying to get into a call of cthulhu game for so long it's 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 like my white whale right now <laughs> um i got into a vampire the masquerade game it's a second it's like revised slash second or third edition game um and i was like kind of on the i was like oh, i'm a little excited about it because i've always wanted to try a vampire but it ended up being so much fun i play that maybe once a month maybe twice a month depending on everybody's schedule and it also like the one cool thing I love about playing other systems, it opens your eyes to like 
how other games solve their problems and how they handle things like intrigue or, you know, how do you handle small town politics? Um, so I really enjoy playing other tabletop RPGs and figuring out like what they do. And that kind of informs me when I do all the other random stuff I do. So if I were to like run a Dungeons and Dragons game now, since I've been playing Vampire the Masquerade with a ton of intrigue and like politics, I feel like I'd be better able to take those tools and like employ them in and apply them. Yeah. Yeah. And apply them um, in 5e, which is I think that's. I always tell people if, you, if you've been playing 5e for a long time and even if you're still enjoying it, and you still want to play more of it. Just try something else because you never know what's you never know what like cool things you're going to find. Right. Do you have like a wish list of games? I guess you could take this however you want. You could like tabletop RPG games or even video games and stuff like that. Do you have like a wish list right now that you are like dying to try? Um, top of the list is Gloomhaven. I really, really want to try getting a game of that going. And one of my uh, one of my friends who, you know, Pat, Colin and I grew up with, he still lives near me. Um, he has like the full like, I guess, first season. Is that what they call mm-hmm. it? Like the but the first like big box set. Oh, I and have that is, also. It is absolutely intimidating to see him like pull it out, like put it on the table. It's, and I'm just like, holy shit, why is this a thing? But it's I very really heavy. want to play <laughs> I tried um, so hard to get that game going. Uh, so me and my wife are looking for like couple friends. And my idea was like, oh, we can get some couple right, friends and we can like center the stuff around Gloomhaven. So I bought Gloomhaven secondhand from another friend. And then I had, I got some friends over some couple friends because we were just like trying to double date, triple date stuff and um, got some couple friends over. And then it was like, all right, so we got to watch a 15 minute YouTube video that's going to do the explainer. And then there's like a 35 minute YouTube video and then we can attempt to play. And then they all just like looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> and then my wife like put her hand on my shoulder and it's like, or we could just play something else. And I was like, a part of me died that day. <laughs> or or we could just do Jenga. <laughs> basically, honestly, basically we played Dominion instead. Okay, that's pretty yeah. good. I'm trying to think what else. I have yet to play through um, Elder Ring or Elden Ring. Oh, I still um, need to beat that it too. Is, it's still on my to-do list. Um, kind of a funny story. I am awful at the Souls-like games. Like it's So during COVID, uh, back in my old apartment, I was living with uh, two other guys. One of them had a PlayStation. So, of course, we started all trying to run through uh dark souls three and i was really really bad at it and i shouldn't say was i am still really really (laughs) bad at it and i think i'm at like the second to last boss and it's been it, it i've been at the second to last boss for two years so we, whenever I go over there to hang out, like we always joke around, oh, maybe we should play Dark Souls and Mac and finally, finish <laughs> finally beat it. it. Oh, and I'm man. just like, uh, nope, I'm not touching that because I don't feel like hating myself. So um, I think Elden Ring, you might do better with Elden Ring. I think Elden Ring, it has a high, it's actually, I do think it has a higher challenge curve, but mm-hmm. it gives you a lot more tools to deal with things. So, like, if you're a spellcaster, you can kind of, you. I mean, it takes a lot of sacrifices in other areas, and, like, you will be a glass cannon, but you can get pretty far just by, like, zapping people and yeah. dodging well. I I get that. And the thing is that I am totally turned off by that, though, because 
after seeing my friend basically cheese his way through Dark Souls 3 as with like this like sorcerer build, like just ranking up only like magic and shit. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm over here like actually trying to use like a sword and maybe some like prayers and whatever. Uh and like having the worst time of my life. And he's like, oh, this is so easy. <laughs> so I just have no respect for magic users. <laughs> hilarious he refused <laughs> he refused to do the thing to make it a little easier oh my god I, I even i think even um beyond that though there's a lot of extra stuff to like make things a little bit easier um it like <laughs> did you just, whatever did you just make a mouth part well no i was just saying like even for like melee builder like melee classes they add like your weapons have certain skills and like kind of magic like effects that you can use so it's like even if you are mm -hmm. purely a melee character there's like a reason to have mana yep. so it gives you a lot of tools and then you have summons and all sorts of stuff to like balance things out so I would mm. I highly recommend it. it's it's really good I think it's probably the their best souls game that I've ever played okay I will take that into consideration once I get monies <laughs> gotta, get that, gotta get that moolah but yeah, yeah no I highly, so is there so what was that gloomhaven and elven ring anything else that's like on the list um nothing that is screaming off the top of my head um sure. nothing i can think of as of yet i think for me yeah, it's mostly just tabletop RPG stuff. Like, I really want to play uh, Starfinder. I really want to play Call of Cthulhu. There is going to be an upcoming um, Warhammer 40k game called Dark Tide, which is very similar to Vermintide 2, but it's set in the 40k universe instead of just the regular Warhammer one. I am so, like, weirdly pumped for it. I can't even describe it. It just looks like the perfect amount of fun. I remember you were trying to get all of us into Vermintide for a little Ver bit. Oh my god, Vermintide's so much fun. It's <laughs> it's left for dead, but you have like sledgehammers and you're fighting giant rats. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm really excited for that. That's on the list. I've actually been bugging uh, Fat Shark, the um, the developer on TikTok, to give me a uh, <laughs> an advanced you're to get copy. A, you're trying to get a free copy. Oh my! God. I'm trying to get an advanced copy. <laughs> I was you like, monster. hey, I make I make memes semi-successfully for Dungeons and Dragons. I will switch topics and do Warhammer 40k <laughs> memes explicitly for you if you send me an advanced copy. No response. Yep. So we'll see. She's um, like, oh yeah, who's this moron? <laughs> it's basically probably <laughs> some like intern at their office, like, who the this, fuck is this guy? <laughs> this this wannabe influencer, they're just they're just like noses turned up at you, like, come on, man. I mean not too far away i mean i'm a wannabe influencer um <laughs> that is i mean that is accurate i want to be that i want to get paid full time just to like look at a camera and say stupid shit occasionally um <laughs> that is the goal don't don't we all <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth um do you are you like the because i have the kind of me and my younger brother have the distinction of really being the only nerdy people in our family like my dad has some like nerdy interests, like he likes Star Trek and he likes Star Wars and stuff like that. But he never he doesn't portray himself as a nerd. Are you are you like the lone nerd in your family or is everybody like a little nerdy? I would say everybody in my family has their own uh, little nerd ticks. So actually, the first time that I heard ever about Dungeons and Dragons was uh, my mom telling a story about how her uncle uh you know basically ran her and her cousins through 
you know, a campaign and stuff. And I have this one very, uh, this one particular memory where she's describing it and, and I guess like, you know, their characters died and he was like, Ooh, you just got eaten by the gelatinous cube. <laughs> um, which fun fact was one of the reasons I included the gelatinous cubes in my campaign as a bit oh, of nice. a we'll shout out back. to my mom. Yeah. Um, my dad was a very big Spider-Man fan growing up. I think I said that already. Um, all of us uh, pretty much into, you know, the whole Marvel scene. Uh, we all make fun of DC for trying too hard. <laughs> Except for Batman. Um, Batman's great. I, I adore Batman. Um, I think my brother was the actually the first one out of all of us to play Dungeons and Dragons, like, you know, of my siblings. And I actually think he was playing fourth edition, um, which was uh, interesting. I remember hearing like little bits and pieces about it, and I saw a couple character sheets, but it was never something that I had the opportunity to. Um, and I think th- throughout the years, we've definitely, uh, we've kept we've kept our toes in it. And I remember uh, my brother, like we, I, he ended up playing a game of uh, fifth edition with uh, some of his friends. And then I invited him over and we did a, I ran a one shot. He was a, uh, what was he? He was a, like a Triton because he's really big into fishing. So he, I was like, all right, let's make you, let's Fish make you this sea elf Triton uh, based loosely off of some smorgasbord of the trailer park boys his name was <laughs> his name was uh dear rackin oh my god uh, and he well it was not a sober game i i will tell you that <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like so much fun though it, it was a blast and i know i i had a lot of fun running that and i i think everybody else well from what they remember they had a great time yeah, I, I, me and my brother, so me and my younger brother, we separately kind of came into Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he started playing in high school and I didn't start playing until I was probably graduated from college. And it wasn't until I was driving him like years later, I was driving him from home, like because our hometown was in North Carolina. He lived like Western North Carolina. He lived and was going to school in Central Carolina and I was living in Northern Virginia, D.C., so yep. he was kind of sort of on the way. Uh, so we were just like sitting there and me and my then fiance or girlfriend and now wife, we were just kind of like making aimless banter. And then I was like, yeah, you know, what do you like? What do you do in your spare time at college? He's like, oh, I play Dungeons and Dragons. And like my wife, like <laughs> Jasmine just like put her he- put her head in her hands and like breathe so loud as I'm like, you play Dungeons and Dragons? I got a podcast. <laughs> you know about my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> That's so wholesome. And we geeked out about it for a long time. And now he um I'm he so joined sorry for Jasmine. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. No, I've I've wrangled her into it now as well. She plays Dungeons and Dragons, like very begrudgingly, but she does. Um but yeah, that's we kind of like really bonded over that. And now we play a game together every other week. I mean, I've invited him to my games. He doesn't really invite me to his games, which I think is a little insulting, but like I guess I could Older shave or younger that. brother. He's my younger brother. But yeah, so that's always been fun. And then my young, like me and my older brother, when I was like really young, like six or seven, we played Dungeons and Dragons for like a hot minute until our parents found out and told us we couldn't do it anymore. 
and do they think you were summoning the devil more or less and uh <laughs> it was one of those things where like me and my older brother don't always see eye to eye and he's like adamantly like trying not to be a nerd even though i think there is a nerd somewhere deep down there my sister could like give a shit about any of this stuff like anytime me and my younger brother start talking she little like her eye roll is so large it probably changes the <laughs> fucking gravity of the moon like it probably <laughs> alters its axis <access>. that's <laughs> like, so funny <laughs> But no, yeah, my parents, I think my dad, if I pushed my dad and like got him into it, he probably would do it. But I think my mom would never because I still think there's a little piece of her that thinks it's devil worship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a little teeny tiny piece somewhere deep inside. Just just a little bit. Just a little, little, little bit. Oh, man. So I'm going to ask you a very tough question. And I, I do like this is could potentially be like a little politically charged question. Shit. If you could change one thing about our podcast, what would it be? Oh, why you got to do this? No, yeah, um, I love watching people deal with this. <laughs> I think I would change. So now you got me thinking because now I got to think about, okay, where, you know, where, what do we struggle with? What do we, what could we do better? Um, is it a question of what we need to improve or if I could just magically just change something and instantly make it better? What would That's, it be? I mean, it's up to you. It could be either one. If you could just have, if you could change one thing, be like, oh, I wish Colin didn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wish he was, I wish he was blipped out of existence. A la like Thanos uh, gauntlet Thanos snap. snap. Yeah. Yep. I am inevitable. <laughs> um, I would say, I wish that we leaned more into the rotating DMs. Um, and I wish that we did it on a more listener-friendly schedule. That, yeah. So, and this is something, I was talking with Colin about this the other day, too. Um, I know, so, you know, from the, <laughs> I'll backtrack a little bit, just because I have a, a bunch, two different trains of thoughts going here. So, when I was first designing my campaign, one of the big things that I knew I wanted to include was some form of like a time loop. Like I thought that would be a really fun mechanic. Wasn't something that I had seen before. I thought, I thought I was a genius for coming up with it. Um, find out after the fact, there's this one podcast that's has a much bigger listening thing. You might've heard of it. It's called the it's adventure, adventure zone, zone yeah. <laughs> the 11th hour. And then I was like, Oh, Oh, I guess maybe I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take like a listener or two to this. Um, and I really liked how the, their mechanic fit into the time frame of an episode. Yeah. It so, would click down every episode. That would be the end. Exactly. Like they would have like one or two, you know, iterations of a loop in an episode because they were working like in game in an hour. But, you know, for a podcast, like they, their shows, I think they ran for like maybe an hour, hour and a half. Um, and so, taking that principle outside of the game one of our the things that uh i think that i guess we advertise ourselves as a podcast where we rotate dms and i think that's something that we have we've only done it like three or four times in the two years that we've been doing this like it's something that i wish that we leaned a little bit harder into and I know, like, obviously, like, there's a whole lot of logistical issues of, like, okay, 
why you know what would make this difficult or how do you keep a consistent story going um but i i think that's something i wish that was a little better when we when we talk about our you know what uh you know behind the scenes about you know where we want to see it um that's that's always like something that's in the forefront of my mind how can we keep this core identity of rotating dms all telling basically a, a yes and story yeah, I agree. It would definitely, it would be a lot more challenging, I think, but it would be mm-hmm. a lot cooler if instead of like doing whole arcs, we were doing like segments. We'd get right. three, four episodes max, and then it has to be shifted no matter what is going on, because that would lead to a lot of interesting narrative choices that we would have to make. And, you know, oh, we were literally in the middle of a battle, and now it's a new DM. Like, how does that work? Because, <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's a could... challenge to to the DM, which, you know, I think is always fun. But it's also, I, I don't know any anywhere else that does that. And that that idea just seems really interesting to me. No, I like that. I thought that, that would be a fun change, in my opinion. Now, it, I'll bleep this out, but give me the unpolitical, like, full on answer that you wanted to give. You wanted to, like, you wanted to get rid of Pat, right? <laughs> uh, silence so that's it i'm gonna take silence as yes. <laughs> i i would not change anything any of our cast uh i wish that we were a little more diverse but that's true. uh you know you can only go so far with you know a bunch of guys sitting around a table it's true we're, there's only so many white bearded men you can fit at a table <laughs> And we're reaching that limit almost. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think my beard is getting longer. So that's one way to differentiate all of us between <laughs> everybody. Um, I'm, I'm glad you got that going for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting a bigger beard. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the way of the world. Hello, popping in for a very brief breakaway here. It is the end of a season in the Dice Populi community. Uh, normally that entails a lot of info, but this was a short season and I'm traveling. So, this is going to be pretty tight. Really, I just want to spotlight those of you who have contributed to our Discord. Uh, seasonal ranks go as follows. In third place of all members, ranked by Uge, whose experience makes them eligible to receive you know, a paid prize from our merch store or just D&D paraphernalia. Third place is J.P. Bark at level 9 with 5.2 thousand messages over the last two months. Second place, let me know if you've heard this one before, Sam Hertasi, level 12, 7.9 thousand messages. And our winner this season, the, uh, the, the monarch of the New Age itself, is Iron Skull at, 11, at level 16 with 13. Four thousand messages. So I'll be reaching out to you over the next week or two, Iron Skull, to get you set up with some swag. Uh, but this does mean that we are throwing another person back into the mix. Takale, the bread prince himself, good old Kale, can earn seasonal XP again. So keep an eye out there, because something smells delicious in the kitchen. I'd also like to call attention to our Patreon. We're pumping out content more regularly than ever. We have some uh, more character stuff on its way, more episodes of Entrench, more behind the scenes. Trying to keep that uh, baby a churn as much as possible. We're starting to have real conversations about where Dice Populi is going to go after Dicey Waters and whether or not we have the financial support to make these things happen is a huge part of those discussions. So on one hand, you know you'll be supporting the show. 
On another hand, you will be getting a bunch of cool content. And on some other mystical third hand, there are soundtracks and other things that we hope to release to the community, but frankly, just need a little bit of help getting it done. We don't have a community project to announce for the next season, but we do have uh, a few other things up our sleeves for the coming months. That said, if you want more details, just go to DicePopuli.com. We'll have a full news post as normal, but let's get you back into the conversation. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, have fun. I liked, I think I talked a little bit this about this with Colin. I don't think I talked about this with Pat, but Colin originally... So I'm going to get more specific into our podcast and sure. maybe about D&D. So Colin was never really meant to be part of the main cast. He was a kind of surprise drop-in in the Turtle Island arc. Correct. Do you feel like that... Because w- I've always kind of felt like that was a purposeful choice uh, because... Uh, God, I'm blanking on his name right now, but the DM Josh, knew he, Josh was going to like... All, he knew he was like getting out of there and he's like i'm just gonna like force colin into the scene what did what was your reading of that do you think do you think that like we lost or gained something by that kind of ephemeral bait character becoming part of the main cast especially considering there's a lot of baggage that comes with bait because he (laughs) is like this kind of semi-godlike npc that colin created he's a plot device yeah um i think I I really I don't want to speculate about why about what you know what Josh's intents were you know he thought he he did what he thought he needed to and you know I respect that I do like um I mean at least the way that you know he and Josh or he and Colin tell the story was that you know he was basically like hey Colin you're just kind of sitting there on the sidelines twiddling your thumbs do you want to play this game um which Honestly, if I was in Colin's position, I absolutely would have jumped in and said, yes, I will 100% do this. Like, you know, because I don't, <laughs> I get major FOMO sometimes. <laughs> um, now, as for the addition of bait to the party, there are times where I wish, uh, this is absolutely nothing against Colin. I wish that he played him as a character and not as a plot device. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know, I know like he has like he wants to try to like lead people to, you know, whatever conclusion that, you know, he's collaborating with the with the DM to help them get to that point to, you know, to get all the, the everything realized. Um, but, I you know, I think there are times where the character of bait comes across as a little too convenient sometimes. Um, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I know the running joke is how many times can we kill bait before he comes back <laughs> or before he stops coming back? And I, we still don't have an answer to that. Bait's like a cockroach. He'll survive a nuclear <laughs> bomb. He'll, he will outlive us all because God, I think the funniest part of that was when he fell off the tree and then like he had to like, st- I, I can't, I don't think we kept a lot of that in, but him and Josh had to have like a 20 minute conversation, like about how direct much HP he forth. had. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that um yep. no I, i'm kind of thinking about the similar page i do wish like i do i like bait i think he is added to the story and i i love colin i think colin's done a great job of role playing and all that stuff i do wish that maybe we had come up with a separate character for colin to play even though it may have been a little bit more d- difficult for colin to kind of parse that out just because are, bait are you saying is we'd plot have to device. give 
we'd have to give Colin another voice to do. Yeah. <laughs> My goal is to get as many Collins in one room to speak with each other as possible in the podcast. Um, <laughs> that is that is the goal. Um, so as many of our listeners would probably know, you play Maeve, which is the kind of like the young lady sorcerer that may or may not be like the offspring of Asmodeus or some other like foul demon thing. Or Asmagath. Asmagath. Because one of them. Yeah, Asma something. I feel like that was very convenient. It was like (laughs) Asma something because I was like, oh, Asmodeus. Um, so that that was the original intent like i was gonna say asmodeus but because that's like more 5e lore we won't didn't want to you know get into any issues there i think that's why we straight away i'm still on the team so, so I when just, we, we i that's why i was like i said oh some uh, asthma, asthma guy, <laughs> guy. <laughs> so when we first so this is a little bit of like background lore when we first came up with the podcast um we were like oh you know it needs to be a homebrew setting it needs to be this we need to like separate it from everything that's 5e and i was like why do we have to do that and colin's like well i don't want any ip issues and i was like ip issues with what and he's like wizards of the coast i want them to like take our stuff and i was like into intellectual property not yeah, intellectual not internet not i like ip address yeah yeah like intellectual intellectual property so i was like i don't think we yes. have to worry about that and he's like nah man we have to worry about that and then like over the next couple of years <laughs> it's just me every time <laughs> listening to a new podcast that gets like <laughs> any they're all like using official monsters and they're all using the official stuff as like we could have saved so much time or at least i yeah. could have we just like official pantheon of gods well or something. i mean yes but i you know i i do kind of like where we've kind of taken our um which coincidentally i guess i kind of stuck our gave you guys the first taste except for cult but you know so speaking of our characters, so like I was saying before, you you are the the pilot inside of Maeve's head. How do you feel about Maeve at this point in the juncture? We are much closer to the end than we are to the beginning. Do you feel like good about the progress that Maeve has made as a character? Do you feel like there's still too still a lot to be said about Maeve and her adventure personally? I really like the story that uh that that's been able to be told through her so when i first started playing as her i was just gonna have her be like this you know happy-go-lucky sorceress who you know just going through the world maybe accidentally got in some trouble which you know that's how she ended up with the mage lords but the real turning point for that was when uh the stonehole massacre happened thanks god um thing that was that was i i i like uh i remember when we played that night and it was on sunday because i had my regular uh my weekly game after that and i get there and i'm just like guys no spoilers from the podcast my character just accidentally massacred uh a whole town uh i'm gonna have several drinks tonight (laughs) and i because i felt so bad like i've never had anything like that happen before um so then i guess like i i kind of tried to shift her character into something like okay now she's just gonna try to do her best to help people and try to be this more positive force um which i think has been there's been some interesting little tidbits between like her and cult's mentalities and how 
uh, you know, basically the way that the group goes about things and maybe realizing that, you know, the group is not always the good guys. What? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> we are know, righteous. Man. Well, uh, you could say a lot of people were righteous and they were still wrong. <laughs> Oh my god. Um I still use that. So that like whole kerfuffle, I use that mm-hmm. as an example. Uh when people ask me like what's like the the biggest game changer that ever happened to you like mid session? Uh, 100%. Both of the things that happened. So the raffle, I did like not in my wildest dreams <laughs> would I thought you guys would have like started a raffle with a bunch of toilet paper. And then that was still my idea. <laughs> I never would have thought. Well, there was just like a, the sequence of events. Like, oh, we're gonna do a raffle. The rap is the raffle's purpose is to create a situation where we're using all of these innocent townspeople as bait, and then <laughs> we're gonna accidentally massacre like a third to half of them after basically getting our asses kicked by the monster. <laughs> so it's like. I, I use that as an example. Uh, people people ask about like, oh, how do you overcome certain challenges? Or like, what's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Um, and like, what's the biggest reset you've ever had to do like mid-campaign? Like that. That is the biggest reset. <laughs> like the, mm-hmm. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong while also still being extremely dramatic and very, I think, very interesting to listen to. I thought so. I enjoyed yeah. that arc immensely. It Yeah, it was wild. And I think... I think it did a really good job because uh, I, I do like that that happened very early on. So that kind of set the precedent early on that like we're not going to hold back on the tough stuff. Like I thank thank Pat for like figuring like basically like reminding me because I had all these things going on and my brain was like Swiss cheese because I had like I was already rewriting parts of my adventure because of the raffle yep. thing and all that stuff. Yep. Um so I was like, and then Pat was like, oh God, you're right. And I was like going through all the things that I had like said and set up and all the notes. I was like, oh my God, like there are like, there is like 300 people in the area mm-hmm. and at least a hundred of them are easily within range of this. It was a very yep. cold realization, <sighs> but no, I think we it made, <laughs> but yeah, it, it made for great radio. I think it, it definitely did something. That's for sure. That's what um, it ruined us all a little bit inside. Yeah, but <laughs> to to come full circle here, I really have enjoyed playing as Maeve. Um, you know, it's it, it is a, it's a lot of fun, and that's all <laughs> that's all I could ever hope to have. No, yeah, I think you've done a great job playing Maeve. I think Maeve Thank has you. been a very good grounding rod for the podcast because I think. She, without, even though she is maybe the most unstable in power and some of the effects she's had, per, but on a, on like, you know, things that she has done, but as a person, as like that, she's basically the tent pole of the group. She is, <laughs> she is the, st- the stable ground by which all of us else, all of us okay. other characters do crazy shit around. Keep, keep it coming, man. Like this is, this is nice to hear. <laughs> no, yeah. no. And then I think that, like Maeve's a great foil too, because like. The the way that she handles cult, I always enjoy that. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, let's do something wild and crazy. And then Maeve's like, okay. Or, <laughs> or, or we could not. Or we could just, well, yeah, I'm trying to think. What was the last time she was actually on board with a cult plan? Was it I don't think she's ever to... been on board with a cult plan. 
<laughs> at least not willingly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, there's been a bunch of stuff. I think there was even, like, everybody got so angry when Cult was slurping souls with the little soul cage thing. And, like, this guy's mm-hmm. bad. I can't, like, if I do a bad thing to a bad person, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah, that's that's Cult's way of seeing it. I mean, honestly, Cult is all goal. He's goal-orientated. And whatever means are in e- to the end of that, uh, it, it, it's just fine. It's whatever. I mean... I respect it, but I also kind of, I, I love to hate Cult. Like, he's definitely, like, one of my favorite characters. I love to hate everything that comes out of his mouth. I'm just my, like, ugh. My goal with Cult. Well, you do, the... you do a great job of portraying that. Like, yeah, that's, my... coo- like, good on you for do- making me feel that way. My goal with Cult was to be, like, is there a way that you could kind of sort of love like the most unlovable thing in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've given him a lot of eccentricities that make him unappealing from so many different angles. And don't say, yeah, no, that's, it's all purposeful. Like he's a libertarian. He's a necromancer. He's a bit of a cannibal. (laughs) Like the list goes on. He is like abjectly a monster, but it's played. Like I play him with a sincerity. Like it doesn't like, he has the most innocent intentions for the most part. It's just that he doesn't care. It's not that like it's innocent. It would be more innocent if he didn't know any better, but it's just that he doesn't care. He's like a child that like is playing a video game. That's how I play. <laughs> yep. <him>. <laughs> it's very fun. He understands that the things are bad. Um, If you, if you had to do it all, well, like let's say we did like season two. Um, would you say you had the choice between doing like a, an updated different version of Maeve or a completely different character? What would you do? I think it would depend on, uh, how well everyone, everyone else does. Um, I think that it, I mean, if we go into a completely new setting, something that isn't related to our current world, um, I would most likely change characters and maybe you know we'd there'd be some hijinks where we'd run into you know the our old characters at some point and i think i think that that could be fun but in the off chance where it's like oh hey we were all in basically the matrix and you know we all wake up and now we're in this like fucking tech space spell jammer ship um I'm just, I'm just writing plot lines here, man. That's all I'm saying. Honestly, that would work pretty good. We were basically plugged into the <laughs> Matrix and that we were in a cyber. We were in a video game that we forgot we were in a video game in and we wake up in the real world. I could dig on that. Yeah. And then for the third season, we'd basically be like, oh, you guys were just incepting that. The whole time. <laughs> yes, we were being we were being incepted. <sighs> no yeah i like that idea i like that idea we should just do that we should really play off that it was all a dream every single (laughs) it's so cheesy and i i would i would definitely roll my eyes a little bit but like just like oh really this is the creative thing that they came up with (laughs) wow how fucking original oh and they're doing Um... it again for the third season (laughs) oh great oh god what's that that's gonna be like 10 years later right if we're still doing that. oh my god yeah it's i it's it's hard to think like it's hard to kind of conceptualize how long we have been doing this podcast because it's it's gonna be it's two years like pretty much like our when was our first uh episode release oh man it was it, it i was, thought it was in july of uh 2020 i think it was even before that i am scrolling back I right say it was now. 2019 i think 19 
Okay. Yeah. August 7th, 2019. That's when we released Welcome to Our Table. Yeah, because it was before the vid happened, like Holy well shit. before the vid. Um, okay, so wait, that's like a week and a half. Maybe we should do something. Yeah, three-year anniversary is coming up very soon. Um, yeah, we probably should do something for that. We should. We should. We, sh- we should. I'm going to make a quick note in the Discord. <laughs> uh, where is that? For planning. Hey. August 7th. Yep. Hey, y'all. At everyone. We just realized. <laughs> we just realized three years of the podcast will be Aug 7th. We yep. should do something. <laughs> Yep. Uh, and I misspelled something, but I'm keeping it. <laughs> Butterfingers. It's it's a very chaotic way of spelling something. Something. Uh, yeah. So if I were to, so the same question to me, I would be a little bit torn because one, I love coming up with new characters and like, you know, coming mm-hmm. through the whole, um, like I, I, so I think we were talking about Pathfinder a little while back and you saying that you like the crunch. I love the crunch and I will stay up at night trying to make a Pathfinder character. Like when it will... I, Go yeah, ahead. when I first started like getting into D and D, that was all I did. Like I was like, Oh man, what if I like threw this together? How could I like, yeah, I, I know th- there's a lot of hate on the internet about the people who like try to like over optimize things like, Oh, you could do like max damage. You could get like a plus 30 to this one role. And I'm just like, okay, cool. Like I, I want to play, a mechanically strong character that's good at something, but I don't want it to take away from anybody else, you know, or, or yeah. just like completely overshadow. That's that's how I like to play my character. Oh yeah, I get that. Yeah. I, I try to do the same, but like there is a part of me that's like, I want to do a very specific thing. Like I want mm-hmm. in and Pathfinder it's much easier. It's like I would I wanna I want a paladin that smites through punches and is basically one punch man. And then I'll like dope. I'll go down the rabbit hole and figure out like in what ways is this possible? What are the trade offs? Like what are the things I need to do for it to like work? And like when will it be effective to actually be usable? And that right, will right. that'll keep like there's been times it's like one o'clock in the morning and I'm like staring at my phone as I'm reading through this build and it's like I need to go to bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I love I love coming up with new characters, but there is a part of me that wants to infect other people's game universes with cult i've done it on several other podcasts where i've been like i'm gonna play a version of my character from this other podcast (laughs) (laughs) um there's a little piece of cult in a lot of other people's podcasts i did a uh, shadow run and it's basically cult did some weird magic and just ended up in shadow run (laughs) oh my god in a shadow run world and it worked surprisingly well She's just a fucking bumbling buffoon that doesn't understand technology, but like everything just kind of like works at his command. <laughs> that tracks. He was basically just my dad because like he had a phone and everything, but he had no <laughs> idea how to use it. Um, he was like making Minus... calls and not realizing it. <laughs> Minus like you know the the fucking like three or four dead bodies just like shambling behind him. Oh man, I if I could get casual. I, I think I was too early of a level to have like practical undead in Shadowrun if that exists, but I was like trying to figure it out for a long time. <laughs> uh huh. Um, but yeah, so I love infecting other people's. That's why there is like a cult analog in the quest game that we have entrenched. Like, there is, <laughs> he's in the background still. <laughs> Just really he's funny. there. He's uh he's like Wanda in the Marvel comics. I can't remember what she's called. She's like a uh 
a quantum point what do they call them she's like a fixed quantum point in in the, right. in the mcu or in, something in the something like that yeah cult is that there's always a version of cult in any game that i dm or deal with and it's usually just part of it's just because of the voice i love doing that voice and it's an easy evil guy voice <laughs> so me. what so question for you how did you come up with that voice oh that was a lot like, of time in like you, the shower just like do you have <laughs> <laughs> okay that tracks i was gonna ask like is do you have a process that you go through when you're coming up with voices and i guess uh to add on to that, do you do voices for other characters that you play as? Yeah, I try to do I try to do voices anytime I'm doing a tabletop RPG thing, just because I like I like if it's like a recorded thing, I want the listener to be able to tell the difference between what I'm saying and what my character is saying. And I find mm-hmm. it really helpful as a dungeon master and as a player to be like what I'm saying to the table versus what I'm actually saying to the like in game. Cause I love it when my players do that because it makes it really easy for me to understand the flow of what's happening. If they're speaking in their normal voice, they're obviously speaking like above the table, but if they're speaking in character, I know that that's like game, like whatever they're saying, they're saying out loud. And depending on the context that can like change the flow of what's happening. Like if they say some weird shit in character in front of like a King, the King's gonna be like, okay, like get these fucking weirdos away from me. (laughs) Weird. Um, (laughs) So I, I like that aspect. So I do come up with, I try to come up with a, a voice with, for each character. Cults was like, so my original intention for, so cult was not my original character that I had in mind. I had, Mm two things that i wanted to do i think one of them may have been a one was a paladin and i think the other one was a bard or a rogue the paladin was going to be like a paladin of keg so he's basically going to be like all about getting drunk um and keg is like this third party god i found just like searching for he's like maybe like bacchus um, I remember you were trying to sell us on keg for a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I was trying to sell on keg. So I was going to do keg. And I think there was another one. It was going to be like some kind of multi-class. <laughs> we, we stand for keg. Yeah, we stand for keg. Um, but then Colin, I think I've mentioned before, Colin rolled all of our stats and he rolled very well for everybody else's stats. Mine yeah, were. You, yours were trash. Mine were, were trash. Very bad. So I was like, oh, this guy can only be good at one thing. And there's only a handful of classes that can, you can really be good at one thing. Like wizards don't have health anyway. So it doesn't really matter if they have like a good con mod and all they need is intelligence. Like everything else they can kind of make up for in various mm-hmm. other ways. Um, so that's what I did. And I was like, even as a wizard, he was going to be really soft and squishy and have like subpar health. So I was like, what's how do I make him better? And like, how, and what are some of the reasons... Uh, and it was like, oh, so I'll do a cleric wizard thing and because we're starting at like level three. And I was like, all right, so I have the thing that I want. I work backwards. So I kind of figure out the story, why he started as a cleric and is now a wizard. Mm-hmm. Like what? And I was like, I want it to be a necromancer. I want it to be kind of dark. It's like, why did that happen? And then I kind of like worked out the voice. Like what's a good, like I want, uh, he's going to be kind of a villain in a friendly role. So like, what is that voice? So I started just like babbling off and like different accents and <laughs> I kind of landed on the cult one and it's, it's changed probably a little bit throughout time. I think I was a little harsher on my throat in the beginning. He was way more guttural and now he's like a little less guttural. Um, but yeah, now that's, that's also one of my like go-to villain voices I think is cult's voice. It's, it's, it's something that I can I like do that. for a while and not like ruin my throat. 
So it's funny uh, you met, like, I always forget that Cult did that one level of cleric and then he's gone wizard. Um, my character, Rudy, in my, Rudy? in our, Rudy, he's, uh, he's also a cleric wizard, but uh, pretty much like solar, like polar opposite <laughs> of, of Cult, like, you know, you went necromancy. I went with like divination, so I could do like some, you know, like he. I do like teleporting and shit, and you just do damage. And Rudy is kind of proper and lawful, and <laughs> Cult is not. Not, not, not those um, things. But it is kind of funny, just like uh, hearing how you ha- take like similar. I guess like starting with a similar base because I I don't think I had a very good stat roll either, and just kind of t- forming that into. The same thing, but in different ways. Yeah, like how two different people attack the same problem. It's always interesting to see what they like, what they got the similar, what they got different. Well, when I when I made Rudy, I was like, okay, the party's dying a lot. I want somebody who can save their ass a lot. Because um, we had like a barbarian, we had a paladin. Like we, there wasn't a lot of like mobility so i was like all right let me do like a master of time and space and can also like read the future and shit divination wizard let's go <laughs> divination is uh, a great wizard subclass too it's a lot of fun it oh my god those the the amount of <laughs> there is there is this one time where we went a whole day and i still had a nat 20 as your uh, portent saved yep as one of the important roles where i could you know give it to someone and it gets to the end of the day, and there's starts to be like this uh, fight in the uh, the pub that we own between the character, and so it gets to the point where our barbarian, uh, bless his heart, rest in peace, <laughs> decides that he's gonna take. He he just looks at her DM straight eyes and says, "I want to shit on the floor." <laughs> so. Uh, the D- DM was like, "Okay, I'm gonna need you to roll Constitution for that." And then me and my infinite wisdom was like, "No, you're getting a net twenty for Oh this. my god! And which you know destroyed the bar. Um, but <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it, it it's led to a lot of fun things, and I I really. But he definitely like when I uh, speak in his voice, like he speaks like very proper, you know, just like very like very almost over enunciate some of his words, kind of, uh, you know, very going up and down throughout the register. And then uh, whip cream, like whip, maybe maybe like a a less obnoxious Stewie. I think that's a really great way to put it. Uh, I like that. I love Stewie. I think it's a great place to be. Do you tend to find yourself like doing certain roles like irregardless of the character that you create you tend to find yourself like filling certain roles so for example i am playing like a fighter like a dump stat charisma fighter in my game in my uh curse of strahd game but for whatever reason i am still somehow the face even though i have a negative to charisma <laughs> uh, just because I, I i think when i role play and when i play games a lot i tend to want to like talk things out a bit um mm-hmm. So I tend to like, even when I'm like, no, I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to be like a bonk man. It's like, oh, no, I'm still talking. Do you find yourself (laughs) like gravitating towards a certain role when you role play? I do. I really do. So I always somehow end up playing some form of utility caster. You know, it's between Maeve, who, you know, really doesn't do that much damage, but she does a bunch of other cool, useful shit. Um, 
Rudy, who I was just talking about, like my that party, they're a bunch of murder hobos. They're the fucking worst. Um, and I'm the guy that periodically has to save their ass or, you know, try to be the guy with the, uh, you know, the 20 intelligence and not let the barbarian come up with the plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, um, too true. and then even in the the greek campaign the greek themed campaign that i was talking about before i played a bard who i tried to make like a little more offensive i had him as like a uh, a whispers bard his name was tatsiki because uh, I, was... <laughs> I was told i needed a greek themed name and so that was literally the first thing that came my name my is sauce <laughs> <laughs> It was. It was more like cucumber hey, saw. My, my, my name is Tatsiki, and uh, I, I'm at a quest to to find the person who made my village vanish. And I basically like talked like that <laughs> the whole time, uh, except like maybe when there's an hour left of our campaign. To which point, my voice was so raw, I would oh, literally yeah. just be like, "Fuck the voice," which kind of became a bit of a meme, which was fucked up. The same what Pat Fuck did. The voice. Fuck the voice. He's like, "No, nah, this is. I, I made a poor choice." <laughs> That's exactly. It, <laughs> oh, it was at that moment he knew. So he it's it's funny because I always gravitate towards being the voice and like to being a face. Uh, and for Vampire the Masquerade, which is a very social game, I made a choice to be a Nosferatu, which is basically like. An impossibly ugly vampire. Um, the whole clan is basically impossibly ugly. They've been cursed with like a face, like spaghetti faces, basically. And mm-hmm. it's stat wise, it's basically you can't get. I think there's a couple. Um, instead of just having charisma, I think they have like I think it's like split between a couple different things. But it's like oh, I can actually look it up. Let's see here, Jack Vampire Jack Morris. What is it? It is. It's social. So they have charisma, manipulation, and appearance. So your appearance okay. can never be more than zero. It's you can never improve your appearance. <laughs> and then to like even cement it further, they have like a system where you can get. Um, so they have like some points at the end of character creation that you can like put those into various different things like, oh, I can have a very strong mentor. I can have personal resources and contacts, that sort of thing. And you can get more of those points if you take some like flaws and the flaws I took were basically to make him very socially awkward and even uglier to behold. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hilarious. hilarious because like um, he's basically to any non-vampire, he's a monstrosity. And even to vampires, they look at him being like, oh, boy. <laughs> I'm so- I try to say something serious and there and like, like sometimes oh, woof. <laughs> yeah, so it's like I uh I've made him socially awkward to the point where like he gets serious debuffs if he's talking to a group of people and another debuff oh, if he talks no. to a group of people he doesn't know. So anytime I have to speak, I have to like to role play that I have to keep that in mind. And then two, like sometimes the, the, the person running the game be like, yeah, they, they just look at you. Oh, he's Scottish. Like you try to do his accent. He's like, yeah, they look at you and just uh, they can't stop staring at your face. And I don't think they've quite heard anything you've actually said. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, man. So I think doing something like that has like taken me out of the role a little bit. But I still keep on trying to like talk my way out of issues. And it just, I've, I've made the perfect trap for myself. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I want to play I have another character in the wings um for you know for the for D and D. Um he's a uh, a bugbear who is uh missing one of his arms. 
But the cool thing is he is a uh, way of the astral monk. So he can basically kind of temporarily get uses like chakra chakra or whatever to get uh to bring his arm back if he ever needs it it's also very good with uh shadow puppets so <laughs> that's pretty um, solid i like that I'd, i'm very excited i want to play him so bad but you know, someday just, we'll get mave there. could just take a header into the ocean and never be seen again and all of a sudden we find a one-armed bugbear man it's up to you <laughs> All right, we uh we've approached. I, the... I, I couldn't I couldn't do that to me. Oh, you couldn't. Do that. Yeah, she she needs I, a she needs a better resolution, I suppose. She really does. Besides, you know, just poofing off to some other universe. <laughs> so we have reached more or less the end of our time here. But I do have one more question, and this is one that I think I've asked everybody also. Um, what has been your best experience as a DM or a player, as a whole, or with the podcast? Uh, just at any for any game you've ever played, what it was your best experience as a DM or play? You can do it for both or one up to you. Okay. Um, I would say as a DM prior to so like when I first moved up to you know Albany, um, you know I kind of started to get a little more into D and D thing. Colin actually started doing this thing. He um. Where we, out of like one of the game stores at the mall, we kind of started doing like our own, um, you know, D&D club thing, you know, teach people to play D&D, kind of like, um, uh, what the hell is it called? Like the actual like official Adventures thing League that kinda. Wizards does. Adventures League. Yeah, kind of like that. Um, and I remember, you know, he was like, hey, uh, do you like want to do this? Because like, I know you've played D&D before. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. And I have this one distinct memory of running a group of eight to 10 people through the first couple encounters of the Lost Minds of Fandelver or Fandolin, whatever the fuck it is. And basically, it ended up with this uh, this one person who, uh, you know, ended up getting a pet uh, owlbear at the Ooh. end of it and just seeing like the looks on everyone's faces like oh my god this is so cool like we have a freaking owl bear now i think that's that's something that i always have a little a little bit of uh pride for being able to you know bring that to someone else that is um, a great one. it it was it was a lot of fun um i would never dm for more than eight people though ever again oh that no was... no yeah <laughs> It was well. They were, you know, it helped that everybody was kind of new, so I could definitely kind of have them a little more on rails. Um, you know, I think if I was playing with more experienced players who might try to, you know, break the mold a little bit, I would struggle. But you know, it, it was it was still a lot of fun. Well, that sounds like a great time. Uh, yeah, I think that's generally like my favorite part of playing Dungeon Dragon, especially as like a dungeon master, is kind of like creating those moments for other people. That like creating that happiness, like something that I thought up and is like kind of pulling out of my butt is like made people happy and like they're enjoying themselves. I think those are the memories that I kind of like that stick with me. And like whenever I look back on campaigns or like games that I've played, those are always things that I always like remember and always stick with me. It's like, you know, you're creating happiness for people in a way. It's very rewarding. Exactly. I do have one other thing, though. Oh, go for it. Uh, it was a it was a little homebrew one shot that I put together. Where, you know, you have these players that gather in a town, they're on the hunt for uh, this beast uh, that's, you know, 
you know, going in the woods and stuff. And at the end, the big reveal was that uh, you basically ended up fighting actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and, you know, the reveal wasn't until, you know, after the fact, you know, there, you know, I basically like I tried to put in like, you know, as like uh, as you're going through like the video, right? Like, ah, oh, your foot, it's caught in a bear trap. So I had like a whole like an encounter mm. where you had to go through like bear traps and shit. And Shia LaBeouf, you know, coming back to life. Shia surprise. Um, That's amazing. I love that. It was it was a lot of fun. And then at the very end, you know, the you know, because they didn't realize what they were fighting. And at the very end, I was like, you finally safe from Shia LaBeouf. And then everyone's face was like, <laughs> oh, no, you did it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's the perfect meme game. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, that's that's the kind of shit that I like. I love I love putting a good meme. So I uh, I had a Chult game, like a Tomb of Annihilation game that I started with some friends from college. And one of my friends is okay. like super big into wrestling, um, like classic wrestling, current wrestling. Like he fucking like he he loves it. It's like his pastime. It's his hobby. He like helps start a league in D.C., all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So when we were playing, um, I like well, especially when we first started out, we were playing in person back when I lived in D.C., I would be hiding like little Easter eggs of like um, of wrestling tidbits that I could anywhere I could find them. And he would always like there'd be it's there'd be some times like I can't remember. I would what was it the the name of the ship they came to is called the Klunogu and it was spelled uh, Hulk Hogan backwards. And when I <laughs> he's like, this name is weird. Like, what is this? Like, he's like writes it out. And I was like, I thought he was going to get it. It wasn't until like months afterwards that we were like the ship the ship name came up and like yeah i remember that name it was a weird name it's like I'm, do you guys get it and they're like what and it's like do you not get what the name is I'm like no what is it it's like spell it backwards and they like write it out and they're like oh my god <laughs> it's like I've been watch s- out watch out watch yeah. out <laughs> and they've been they've been getting other ones too because i named like all the starting characters after like like minor wrestling celebrities and stuff like that and uh they got some of those but they didn't get the other ones but that was a lot of fun i love putting little memes in my uh in my games and campaigns it's, you know when when you're doing stuff like that with your friends where you know the friend group i feel like you know that that's the best. Like that's a, my favorite part about DMing. Tailored to the audience. Exactly. <sighs> exactly. Know your audience. Well, Matt, I think the time has come. Another episode of Between <sighs> Two Roles has come to a close. Do you have any closing remarks that you'd like uh, our listeners to uh, to hear or to uh, ponder about as we as we go out? Uh, I don't think so. I think I'll kind of leave it to their imaginations. Leaving, what would Matt say? Yeah, leaving them wanting more. Well, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Between Two Roles. And I think the only person I have yet to interview is going to... It's its definitely going to be Chowder next, I feel like, unless I somehow interview myself. So stay peeled for that. That'll probably be coming up another fifth, uh, fifth, fifth Wednesday or maybe some other vague time slot that we could figure out but yeah stay tuned and thank you for listening 